$200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're listening to the SNES podcast with your host, Soul Blazer. Hello, everybody. This is the Super NES uh, podcast, episode number 165 this time. Uh, I, as always, uh, this is Greg, joined by Hello. Joe. And we are once again honored to have a guest host on the podcast. Somebody's been on the podcast for a couple of times, but it's been a, a couple times already, but it's been a while, so we're glad to have him back on here. Uh, I'm very pleased to have back on the podcast uh, Chris from numerous podcasts of his own, which he will tell us about here toward the end of the podcast, I'm sure. But anyway, Chris, glad to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, again. Chris. Get my guns, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, so how have you been? I've been uh, I've been great. I've been been busy doing all manner of stuff for uh, for Stone Age Gamer, making videos and podcasts and writing about stuff. I just you know lost my mind with E3 and uh, <laughs> um, it, this is fun. This is my first time um, as a professional games writer uh, working during E3 because uh, I got my job writing for Nintendo Force last year, like a full full time, and you know E3 didn't happen. So this year, uh, it was it was really kind of fun. We you know, all got a bunch of assignments. Like as soon as the 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 show was over, like all right, we got to get these in. We are we go to print on Friday, so we got to get stuff in. And I was very fortunate. I got to do the uh, the preview for Metroid Dread, which was like <laughs> it was kind of a kind of amazing. Like I got to do the Nintendo Force preview for Metroid Dread, and I just. I, that was that was quite an experience, but no, I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm very happy to be here and talk about Tin Star. Or should I not say that? I don't know. No, it's, it's supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> I don't remember. Right. Uh, yeah. No. Definitely. So, like you know, like I, you know, you know, separate, you know, a few months. So a few months ago, I was trying to get people uh, lined up, lined up the podcast, and so and I approached Chris with a, uh, approached Chris and asked him what game he wanted to cover, and he's like, he's like, well, I want to cover this game. And I'm like, what? Never heard of it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, despite this being, yeah, yeah, despite this game being published by Nintendo, it just totally slipped on my radar for some reason. I never heard of it. So, um, I would I venture a guess that this is probably the most overlooked Nintendo published title. It's definitely um, on that platform, maybe on any platform. Agreed. I would, I might argue that uh, uh, behind, uh, so, so I might not. So, so I might argue that the pinball game, like Beyond the Mask, maybe a little bit more overlooked than this is. But, Super Pinball, uh, that's a that's a good call. Although Super yeah. Pinball did get a re-release. That's true, it did. So, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so definitely. So yeah, so Tin Star, just to go over the um, you know the rough details of the game first, uh, was developed by a company called Software Creations, who was a British company. Um, um, it was published by Nintendo. Curiously enough, curiously enough, despite the fact this game was developed by a British company, it, like, it only got released in North America. So, uh, did not get a European release, did not get a Japanese release. So that's so that's, a, uh, that's another reason this game probably is not like super well known. Um, this game came out in November um, in November of 1994. So, Soccer Creations was a long-running 
pretty good overall, I'd say, company for games. Uh, their track record is pretty solid. Uh, they were around from the, so they were around from 1985 to 2004. Um, they started off basically doing games for like you know uh, um, you know the British computers like the BBC, and then they got tapped to do a lot of ports of like um, uh, uh, like arcade games, which is how they you know which is how they became to be known uh, for like for most of the 80s and 90s uh, 90s, to be, 90s before the company branched out. Um, they're probably best known for making games based off the Marvel Comics uh, series, uh, Cutthroat Island. They made a, a game based off the movie, which is a pretty well regarded uh beauty and the beast they made which is also like a pretty like well regarded mm. game um and they also um so they also created the the, the cult favorites solstice on the nes and it's equal uh, equinox and super nes mm. so those are the games you probably so those are the games you probably best know software creations from um so um they this was their the, this was actually the second game that they that they did that was published by nintendo the first game that they did was also published by Nintendo. That uh, uh, that uh, that game was the, that game was Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, presents Major League Baseball, uh, which I remember being at the time being a pretty good baseball game. I've not played it in a long, long time, but I remember when it came out. It came out. It came out a pretty solid game because the Super NES was not known for sports. Yeah, games, it's still a pretty so. solid game. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, for some reason, uh, so anyway, uh, the game so well, Software Creations was equal to a sequel, but for some reason. Uh, uh, but for some reason, Nintendo decided to give the sequel, the, the, the sequel project, to Rare instead. So uh, they kind of said, "Well, it's consolation prize. You guys can work on Ten Star instead." <laughs> so that's how this game like, came to be. Uh, they're created. So anyway, now they got the basics of the game like covered here. Um, um, Chris, since you're the one most familiar with this game, why don't you talk about uh, some of the some of the gameplay aspects, aspects, um, and why you love this game so much? Well, um, there's a you probably, I feel like a lot of people have probably seen this game and don't realize it, um, because the way I found out about the game in the first place was from uh, the post Donkey Kong Country Play It Loud poster that came with every <laughs> Super Nintendo game. This game was on there, and that's how I found out about it because that screenshot looks amazing. Um, uh, and what you see in that screenshot is something that looks like it's some sort of side-scrolling platformer type thing it's a you see the little character and there's other characters on the screen like okay I'm, I'm i'm in let's go for it so i go to the store and i buy the game and it has the super scope logo on it. it's like oh i have a super scope this is pretty awesome so i'll get it and try it out tin star is a very unique game it is ultimately a let's say light gun game i guess target shooting would really be the mo most accurate description of this game but it, it does so in a number of different manners. Every stage has something to do with shooting targets, but sometimes it's like an arcade target shooting thing where like the camera is moving back and forth and different things pop up on the screen. You got to shoot the bad guys and not shoot the good guys. And you can, you know, break stuff in the backgrounds of the environments or other stages are, um, where you actually see the character of tin star walking around on the screen and, Wherever you shoot with the cursor, he shoots with his guns, and it's it's pretty neat. It still plays ultimately like a target shooting game, but it has this almost sort of adventurous feel to it because you see the character platforming through the stage that you're shooting in the whole time. And then there are uh, quick draw segments, which are some of my favorites that are just, uh, they handled the process of doing a quick draw, I think, very cleverly depending on what controller you use. What's very strange about this game is that, like I said, it is a target shooting game, and it is compatible with the Super Scope. Um, so out of the box, you can move a cursor around your screen with your D-pad on your Super Nintendo controller and shoot whatever you like, but 
if you've ever played a game like that before, uh, you know that's kind of crappy. <laughs> it's not really a fun way to play a target shooting game. You want to be able to shoot something with some level of precision, so you can use the super scope. However, the super scope by its nature um, that draws your attention to a small circle. You know, it, it blocks out some of your, your frame of vision, your field of view. That's the terminology. <laughs> ha, there it is. Um, that, that's kind of by its nature, and that's not really great for this game. But the game is also compatible with the Super NES mouse that came with Mario Paint, and that is how you play this game. Because <laughs> if you're playing with the Super NES mouse, this game is, pun very much intended, a blast. Uh, it gives you the exact kind of control you would want, just moving a cursor around the screen and doing those quick draw segments, especially the really hard ones later in the game, become actually doable because you can move your hand. You get, <laughs> I'll explain them real quick. You get uh, a character across the screen that you're staring at, and then you just everything is in first person, right? So you see your hand, and then just at a random interval, you'll see the word draw appear on the screen. And in one of the four corners of the screen, the the little... What do you call that? The barrel, not the barrel of the gun, where all the bullets are kept. I don't, I don't understand guns. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do guns. The round thingy and the old cowboy shoot 'em up shooters that have the bullets in them that'll appear in one of the corners, and then you have to uh, shoot that to draw the gun, and then shoot the guy before he can shoot you. And with anything other than the Super NES mouse, those are a nightmare. But with the mouse, it's really, really cool. But uh, so that's the basic gameplay elements. Whereas the the story is a um. It takes place in the Wild East <laughs> instead of the Wild West, uh, and you are the... Everything's robots. Everything's your, your Your trusty horse, Aluminum, is a robot. You, Tinstar, are a robot. Your sidekick, Mo, is... Everything's robots. Uh, and it's got a very The Tick kind of sense of humor to it. There's, all, there's a lot of dialogue in the game, and it's legitimately pretty funny stuff. Um, not... Not everything is a hit, but there are definitely some jokes in there that still make me actually actively laugh when I see them. Uh, and it's got a lot of really good visual gags. It's got gorgeous, gorgeous visuals. It is a very bright and well-animated game. It's really very Super Nintendo, like, really doing the Super Nintendo justice with the color representation. And I also adore this game's soundtrack. It's got wonderful music. Um, uh, and... Uh, only half a shameless plug here because it's actually rather informational. Uh, we I, I host a video game music podcast. When we did the episode on this show, I also got to interview uh, one of the composers, uh, and he shed all kinds of light on the development of the game and stuff. I've already forgotten most of the details, but it was a fascinating interview. So if you want to learn more about this game after we talk about it, uh, find my Waveback episode. I actually talked to somebody who helped work on this game, which I don't think a lot of people can say, because who knows what Tinstar is besides <laughs> us? Well, yeah, because... Okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so just to add some uh, uh, observations to that, uh, there's that... Uh, so during my research, I found that... I, uh, research, research, I found there were three composers credited for this game, so who'd you actually like interview? You know what? I don't remember. Let me look that up. <laughs> it was Chris Jojo, Matthew Cannon, and Saudi. Matthew Cannon. That was the one. Okay, okay, yes, okay, we interviewed yeah. Matthew Saudi Cannon. Saudi Rava, who, who credited with music for this game. So, um, but uh, oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to check that out. So, um, yeah, so that was a very good summary, of, like about the game uh, uh, for sure. So, um, um, couple, so a couple observations myself. I, I thought this game was being more of a, 
uh, a rail shooter. I mean, like, you know, I know that there's third-person perspectives as well as first-person perspectives, which is not technically strictly strictly a rail shooter, but rail shooter seems to be the easiest way to, like, like pigeonhole the gameplay um, as, far, like, as far as it goes. So, um, and yeah, the fact that this game's compatible with all three control methods, uh, you know, the controller, the super scope, and the mouse is awesome. And it was the first game to do that. And as far as I can find, the only game in Super NES to do that, to have support for all three controllers. So, and I was going to say, I thought mouse was going to be the best way to, to play this game. I'm glad to hear that you confirmed that, because, yeah, some of the parts with the controller could definitely be, like, frustrating. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I hated, when I first got the game, when I started playing it with the controller, I was like, nah, this isn't going to work. And then when I switched to the Super Scope, not only does it, does it you know, cut off your field of vision, but it also kind of puts a weird red tint across the screen. Mm -hmm. Which I'm assuming is supposed to be like, because it's your first, it's, you're, you're looking through the super scope like you're one of the robots, I guess. I don't know, it's a weird effect and I'm not entirely sure why it's there, but that also hurt it a lot. But man, when I plugged in that Super NES mouse, that is how you play this game. Just get a <laughs> controller extension and you're good to go. Yeah, definitely for sure. Well, I think, I think, I, I, I think part of the problem is, um, so I think part of the problem is, is like Superscope itself because I never actually bought one back then, but I did play at a friend's house, and I just didn't think it was accurate or as fun to use as it ever was. Like I mean, yes, I think it's just the Superscope was not, it was not as great, as, it was not as great of a design, design gun as it ever was, unfortunately. So, That's interesting um, to to hear you say that. That was one of the things I liked most about the Superscope was its accuracy because. I, I spent a ton of time with a, a Battle Clash and its sequel, Metal Combat, are just... They're two... Those I, games I, are so tough. Those are good they're, games. They're, I, they're excellent. And the Super Scope, yeah. really... The, those are the showcase for the Super Scope because that limited field of vision is incredibly important to the atmosphere of the game, but also yeah. the precision because of the way that it aims. Like, you have that cursor right mm -hmm. there in the middle. That's, like... That is so integral to that game because so much of that game is about shooting specific points on those uh, STs that you're fighting against, the standing tanks. God, I love Battle Clash. <laughs> so, so to hear you say that you didn't like the accuracy of it, I, I wonder if there was something wrong with the, the initial calibration or something, because it did it have, that, have, to have that receiver yeah. on top of the TV that you had to get, mm. you, you had to kind of place that in the right position in order to, to make it work. And it is a shame that stuff like this doesn't really work on modern televisions. Um, because the, yeah. the Super Scope is such a unique experience because of the way it limits your vision. And the six games that came with it are pretty nifty, and Yoshi's, Yoshi's Safari is kind of cool. But man, Battle Clash 1 and 2 are an experience. They're like punch out with guns. It's so weird. <laughs> and uh, I, this is another one of those. I really wanted to like this game with the Super Scope because of how much I like that peripheral and the way that it works when it works well is so unique. But this game is just not suited for it. it it's like... It reminds me a lot of stuff like Operation Wolf, and I found it fascinating that you said rail shooter, because that's, that's I never really thought about that, because you're never in control of your character, but looking at the game on those stages where Tinstar is moving around on his own, like jumping from building to building, or riding on the back of a carriage and like jumping on top of horses and stuff, it really does feel like a rail shooter, and I've never noticed that before, because it's always, it's always struck me as like Cabal or Operation Wolf, where you're just shooting, because you're always just moving the target, yeah. but those stages when the character is actually on screen doing the actions that you're doing, like the fact that he always shoots like where you're shooting, I thought was just such a super cool touch. Uh, and you never really see that in games like that, where you have the character that you're technically controlling, even though you have, you have no control over him on the screen sure. the whole time, yeah. really does give it that kind of 
rail shooter flavor. That's mm. a really fascinating uh, uh, observation. Well, I also thought it was uh, well. Thank you. Well, I also thought it was like uh, fascinating to me that you actually uh, you, you know that you mentioned two of the four games that there the four games that this game can start like uh, really like reminds me about because you know I, I definitely thought of so I was definitely like, I was definitely reminded of Cabal and like you know like Operation Wolf playing this. I also was reminded about Lethal Enforcers and Sunset mm. Riders. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's definitely a lot of unique things in this game. Most of them pretty good. So a couple things I don't like. A couple things. A couple things I don't. Um, I don't as much care for. But they're definitely. You can at least say the developers tried to make a lot of unique things happen in this game. And I, I think for the most part they succeeded. Uh, that whole part about you're not actually controlling the character. Character. You're like, um, you know, you know, um, instead of like you're shooting for him or or, or, or to support him is definitely like a unique thing about it. Um, the gameplay is also pretty unique in the sense that. The game is set up into like seven days, from like Monday to yeah. Sunday, mm-hmm. and there's like a number of sta- so there's number so there's number of stages. So there's a number of stages like in each game. Each day starts so each day starts off with like um, a shooting contest, where like you know like trying to try and hit bottles thrown in the air or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so then you have a bit of plot. Um, then you have you know your first stage, then <laughs> bit of plot, bit then first plot. stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, I say it... a bit of plot because it. it yeah, because it is short. But. The game revolves around you accidentally uh, ruined the uh, the head of the bad oil gang. Yeah. You accidentally stepped on his prize-winning geranium. Yeah. There, <laughs> so the whole thing is revenge over you accidentally destroying a flower. Yes, it's exactly. So. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So the game is sort of like 31 stages, uh, stages, uh, stages like yeah. all together. Um, there are also things you can find or do in the game that also will affect gameplay. Uh, you know, for example, um, the game is so that there's a, um, you know, I mean, like for example, um, there is, uh, there's a very unique, um, uh, scoring system that, that this game has, which is like, yeah, they, by every stage, you're, you're given points depending upon how well you do or don't do during certain things. So like, you know, bullets wasted, accuracy, and, uh, um, you know, my damage that you took and like, uh, and what's called like secret bonus stage points. So, and then, and then in the end of stage, those points that, those points turn to a dollar, a dollar amounts, and there's, and and there's only one difficulty level. But the ending, but the ending you get in the game depends upon how much money you have at the end of the game. So you either can get like a bad ending, a, a, a normal ending, or a good ending. Again, ending like all, like all based upon how much money you have. And that's pretty, you know, and that's pretty unique. It's not the only. This is not the only game that a, a game that has ending control by points, but it is definitely one of the most interesting ways of doing it. Um, there's also there's also there's also a hidden. Um, a hidden, a, a hidden, a hidden bonus stage you can get that you can access like in this stage. Um, if you if, if you turn enough scenery in each stage, you get what's called a secret bonus points, and you can also access um, a, a, a hidden a hidden stage. We're trying to like there's this girl stuck to like um, a spinning star, and you're trying to shoot the stars around her to score extra points. Which, by the way, for a kid themed game, that girl is kind <laughs> of um. Interesting looking. <laughs> <laughs> She's a robot. There's nothing yeah. to see. <laughs> I was just surprised to see that, like in the kids, you know, again, it's like you no know, style for kids. So, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, um, you, there's also uh, you also you also we also you also can access that by not by not by by not refilling your your hit points. There are canteens scattered around that you can use to gain hit points. But if you but if you don't shoot the hit points, you can access the. Um, uh, that bonus spinning disc mm. stage, uh, like the end. So, um, also, this game is a save system, but it's a very unique save system. Um, there are th- uh, uh, like three, th- 
like room for three saves, but in order to uh, saves, but in order to make a save, you have a save you have to like pay for. You have to like buy it. So mm -hmm. um, it's not a lot of money to start off with. But as you go through the game, the amount of money that you need the the amount of money that you need to use to save the game uh, uh, increases a lot. So um, it's fine if you're playing the game and don't really care about the ending. But if you're trying to get like the best ending of the game. You don't want to lose any money at all to do that because it's very because I at least found it found it to be very tough to get requirements to get the best ending of the game, and you don't want to like lose money by doing that. So it, it puts this game it puts this game like the weird category of like kind of long to sit through to sit through in one sitting, kind of short kind of short to have a system in it. So it's a very weird, at least to me, kind of not quite either way kind of like game because of that. So. Um, most of the walkthroughs I found on YouTube say about an hour and a half is the average for going to this game. Like, you were, like, you were just playing through it, like, nonstop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, too long. Which, uh, so, yeah. is fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not a fan of that save system. <laughs> it's like, you know, just, just like, just like, give us a regular save system, but don't make us, like, uh, pay for it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I've never been a fan of, of games that did that. Yeah, when you have weird, uh, you always gotta wonder about stuff like that where, I'm reminded of like that Chibi Robo Ziplash game where it's like uh, that that's a perfectly fine and enjoyable game except for the fact that you have to like luck into being able to actually play the next stage of the yeah. game. Like it's it's infuriating when otherwise good games have these just really bizarre mechanics that like make you wonder why did you do that? <laughs> Who yeah. thought this was fun? <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was yeah, so I thought that was one of the weak points about the game, but like you know like but like most of the things about this game that they did try, I thought like worked like, pretty well. So, um, so uh, Joe, uh, we've not had, so we've not given you a bunch of a chance to talk <laughs> yet. Sorry good. about that. Um, uh, um, what's your thoughts about the game well, overall? Well, uh, people who have been listening to the podcast for a while will know that I am usually uh, kind of the opposite. I play the devil's advocate very well. Um, my <laughs> first impressions of this game when I started it up was this is wild guns but it's like saturday morning cartoon style with the humor of things like boogerman and earthworm jim um wild guns another good comparison. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like I didn't the, about the, game, the right. minute i started up playing that first uh stagecoach area that's the first thing that came mm -hmm. to mind was wild guns it's just you know less uh frantic <laughs> yes. um i did not get to use the super scope which is terribly disappointing because i would have loved to have the opportunity to at least play the game that way um but i found both the mouse and controller for me um once i turned the sensitivity up in the settings both worked great i actually used the controller for most of my playthrough and um when I was using the mouse, the mouse is quicker, and I definitely agree, mouse is probably the best way to play. But um, don't count out the controller, because if you have the sensitivity turned up, um, doing those quick draws, you can actually get to the uh, the, the cylinder the, for the the bullet chamber and get to the, uh, the enemy and make that shot no problem. Um, other than that... Um, <sighs> The sound effects were okay, but unfortunately, I felt like the music was forgettable. Like, half the time, I didn't oh, even really? hear the music, which, I mean, 
I don't know. Like, it just, it, it didn't pop out at me. I'm not saying that it's horrible. It's just, it was forgettable. I mean, that's, it's sad because there were some decent tunes. And I love that sound, that whole, like, Wild West theme. But for me personally, I just didn't see anything that stuck out. And then... Oh, that's, a, that's a bummer. <laughs> I've been humming those tunes ever since this game came out. Well, I'm about to make you upset yeah. even more. So... <laughs> nah, that's okay. <laughs> I, so, a little backstory for here. So, the past, like, week and a half, I've gone back and really played my Saturn. So, for the past week, I have gone through and I ended up beating Virtual Cop and Virtual Cop 2. So, I've been playing quite a bit of light gun games with a controller. Um, <laughs> this game was too long. Period. End of story. That being said... 100% agree. That being said... <laughs> 100% agree. <laughs> that being said, I did like the fact that you could save it. Grand, it cost you. And like, you know, Greg pointed out, you were going to miss out on, you know, the best ending. And th that whole, like, money and endings, like, that drives me nuts. That drove me nuts with DuckTales on the <laughs> NES. Like, that's... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah it's like, come yeah. on. Just, you know, give me one ending. And, like, you know, if you want to give me different endings, like, the way I shot the boss at the end, like, change it. Like, if I shot him in the foot, give me the bad ending. I mean, I'm you know, something like that. I don't know. So, <laughs> I mean, in the end, I just felt the game was really repetitive. I honestly got bored. Sorry, Chris. Uh <laughs> No, no, I, no! You, you're these are valid concerns. I, like, I played the game. You, you see, <laughs> you play the game like four or five times before you finish it because they only have like those certain number right. of stages, and then you just they keep repeating yeah. those. And you're 100 percent right. Like I, I and I understand. You can kind of understand why they did it. Like they've got to pad the game right, out because right. you, you're you're selling this this home console game. It's not just an arcade game. You don't want to beat it in like you know a half an hour. But I honestly feel like it would have been better if they really either added more stages or just chopped it down to like maybe play each type of stage twice right. yeah. instead of like four or five times because yeah you're 100 percent right by the end it's super long in the tooth you're not seeing new things yeah, anymore I, I, maybe a new sprite <laughs> here or there but i yeah. played 45 minutes and like don't get me wrong like the story had its moments where like you know there was some humor there especially the whole you know the the blue lady you know like kind of nudges him and he falls backwards and knocks over the plant and that whole thing and then of course he eventually gets replaced because he's a bad sheriff or, you know it's like I, I get it like you know there's there's humor there it's there for kids it's not for us so I get it um, but um, like I said like it's, it's like Virtual Cop and Virtual Cop 2 that I played only a week ago half hour at the most and I had one of those games beat and that's the right, I think, amount of time for a shooter like this. And uh, I, I can I, I I enjoyed it for the forty five minutes that I played, but I I'll be the first to admit, like as soon as like I died and I was like dead dead, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to YouTube and watch the rest of it because I did not want to <laughs> restart it and go through it again. And I should have been using save states and I wasn't, but yeah, I mean, I went back and I did play a little bit of it 
And uh, I will admit, um, with infinite health and infinite bullets and just going crazy and shooting everything, um, can be fun. It, it, you know, there there's, you know, some fun to be had. But, um, yeah, just, it's too long. I can't, I couldn't recommend this to, um, well, I could recommend it because you'll find out. It's relatively inexpensive. And, you know, if you emulate it, like I said, with controller and the senses, uh, sensor, sense, ugh, sensitivity turned up, <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun with the controller and whatnot. It's just, it wasn't my cup of tea, <laughs> which is too bad. Yeah, I don't want to. Because you were right. Like, it's got I... like that, the humor of the tick. As soon as you said the humor of the tick, I was literally sitting here going, that's the, what I was thinking of. And I could not <laughs> find it. And you're absolutely right. Like, there's definitely a nugget of. Like, there's a really good game here, but, like I said, you know, yeah, cut it down a bit, and you got gold. I, I loved its ambition, and uh, that is definitely something, even even when I was younger, and I loved the game so much, because I just loved looking at it so much. Even, even that, even for somebody like me who really enjoyed it, uh, it definitely got repetitive, and it definitely out overstays its welcome, yeah. which is... Uh, uh, a flaw, but one that I would have loved to see corrected in the future, yeah. you know? It's, I just loved this world so much, and I thought the character... The thing that really killed me on this game, like, absolutely, like, okay, this, I will never forget <laughs> this game, was there was a stage where all of the, um, the bad oil gang, the big burly guys, yeah. are dressed up as yeah. women. <laughs> and before the stage starts, your sidekick comes in and says, hey, Tinstar, there's a bunch of women, there's a bunch of uh, women shooting up the town. <laughs> What are you doing? He's like, I'm reading my good guy Code of the West. It's like, well, what for? I'm looking for loopholes, of course. <laughs> there, I found it. See, here it says, never shoot women and children. Okay, and? So these are just women on their own. Get my guns, Mo. <laughs> Sold. That joke is funny. Right, and, and that <laughs> that's a prime example of the humor that I love in this game. And I, I wish this game would have got a sequel, to be honest, because I think with a sequel, they could have improved a lot of what was missing here and maybe shortened it and we could have had an even better game exactly either shorten it or add more variety yeah. like th those those are your two options like because by the end of it like i know which are, which which spots you can shoot in every single level right. and it's just the same stages repeating but yeah. harder and there's only so much fun to be had mm -hmm. in that like it's yeah. it's good but you know, think of like we mentioned battle clash battle clash is like a third of this game's length, if right. even that. And I've played through that game dozens of times, but just not in the same sitting, mm -hmm. you know, because I'll just sit down, beat that game start to finish, and it's phenomenal, and it's still fantastic to play yeah. to this day. Ten Star, I do go back to less, but when I do, I never finish the game. I haven't finished <laughs> the game since I was a kid and I yeah. played through it, because, like, who's going to do that again? <laughs> it, but, but... On that same note, I do heartily recommend this game because of how interesting it is. It looks amazing. Like, you want to see Super Nintendo use color and animation in just, just glorious ways, this is a really mm -hmm. great showcase of that. And even if you don't finish it, the time you spend with it will be memorable, yeah. um, which is which is why it gets my recommendation. I am super bummed to hear you didn't super dig the music, <laughs> though. That's That's... I, I just thought I, I love the instrumentation. It's so sharp in in this Super Nintendo game. It doesn't sound like you're, you know, because it is a, a effectively a rail shooter, like yeah. Greg said, and so you're not using so much 
you've got all this extra bandwidth to really focus on high quality instruments so it sounds super sharp but man when you turn this game on it's it's so loud and the the stark red yeah. background and you just hear that it's like that that was just like oh man this is gonna be i'm in for a good time here this is yeah gonna be i great, agree so. when you first turn it on and you get that title screen i was that was super hyped and i love the music there but then like <laughs> I, I like i said when i was playing the levels i heard the sound effects which like i said aren't that great um over everything yeah. else and it just like it like i said i could you know it was like the music just didn't stick with me unfortunately mm. well you know what attempt to listen to it on its own i, I will um, i will actually look up your remo- podcast yeah. so that i can hear that removed from the game I, it's a you know i i don't know it's 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 hard to say because it's it's been my understanding that people experience music very mm. differently and uh it's a weird tangent but uh i had we just did on the same podcast we just covered sonic the hedgehog for its mm. anniversary and um you know i've played sonic the hedgehog a handful right. of times you know it's 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 a great game i, I finished it but this was the first time actually doing it on the podcast was the first time i'd ever and i've heard, you know had the music on in the background but this is the first time i'd ever really concentrated mm. on the music like I'm doing nothing else but actively listening to this music totally removed from its source material. And it took on a very... I noticed a lot of different things about it. And doing a a podcast like that that focuses on game music has that effect on me a lot of just like removing game music that I've I've always enjoyed but never listened to on its own uh, really kind of helps you appreciate a a bit more Mm. of what it is. So like where I would play through Tin Star and there were like two or three songs that always really stuck with me that I just thought were really catchy. Um, uh, in particular in Tin Star, like the, um, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's used in a couple of stages, but it's also used on the, um, uh, the, uh, when they're showing you like the next day yeah, song, yeah. uh, that one really stuck with me. And, then listening to it later, you know, in the distant future when we can actually listen to video game soundtracks. Cause like, you know, when I was a kid, I was holding up a tape recorder right. of my TV speakers <laughs> and, and listening to them that way. But, uh, you know, now that I can listen to the whole things, they're, they're, they're really interesting compositions. And this is a, uh, this game's fascinating. It's so fascinating on so many <laughs> levels because it's like clearly a lot of thought went into this game. Nintendo yeah, published yeah. it. It was on the darn poster included in like every game, but nobody heard about it. Um, and nobody remembers it. it, it it's, it's so strange to me that that's yeah. the case. But I guess yeah. that's the, you know, shooters like that really do get overlooked. I mean, Battle Clash even got a sequel, but nobody talks about Battle Clash right. anymore. Or like, nobody talked about it when it came out. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> those kinds of things I do like Gumshoe on NES. What a fascinating little game. It's, it's a platformer you control with a darn <laughs> zapper, but nobody talks about it. It's, I, I, it's, it's a genre of game that I think gets overlooked quite a lot. Yeah, I had a choice between getting either getting like Gumshoe or Hogan's Alley, like a bike zapper, and I, but I ended up getting like Hogan's Alley. So I mean, like it is what it is. But um, and Hogan's Alley, I was going to cool, say you but... made a good choice. <laughs> yeah, you made a solid choice. Gumshoe is definitely more interesting than it is good, but it's got a, a killer hip Tanaka soundtrack, and it's a uh, it is super interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so uh, so you guys actually actually summarize the good and bad points that most reviewers uh, reviewers reviews of this game, uh, both contemporary and now, have talked about. So in a way, you, you know, so this is so, so like the way you already did my work for me uh, <laughs> on that front. So thank you. Happy um, to be of service. I got so 
so I kind of stand no no shock. I'm kind of like in the middle of the road of like this game. Um, I, I don't love it as much as Chris. I, I didn't hate it as much as like Joe did. I thought that, you know, like I said before, I thought that the game the, the game has some interesting ideas. Not all of them are executed correctly, I, I thought. But, um, you know, like I do think the game, there, I mean, it was done by experienced programmers. who They already did, they already done several Super NES games by this point. So like they knew what they were doing. Um, you know, experienced programmers who tried some different ideas and like you know i give them credit for it it's a very unique game um maybe it doesn't uh, maybe it doesn't hit on all cylinders but then of course a lot of games that are considered unique and kind of cult favorites these days that these days didn't always didn't always uh, do very well or sell very well like they first came out so um i guess you kind of lump this game like in that group but uh yeah the graphics are gorgeous i mean like you know definitely like the graphics are definitely have like a highlight a highlight of this game um you know like, you know it's funny the controls they handle well enough. Like Joe said, I think if you change the controller to, to be sensitive, the controller is fine. It's not great, but I suspect the mouse is the best way to play the game with. So uh, thank you for that. Like I said before, the length it is kind of a long game to play to play all the to, to play all like in one sitting. It kind of feels like if you uh, it kind of feels like if you guys are gonna put a save system in, you know, like make the game a bit longer to really make it like a, 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 a more developed game, but also mix the stages up a little bit because you're right. Um, when you guys said that the game does kind of get repetitive there toward the end because of that, it's like, it's like they made the game either like too long or too short depending upon how you looked at it. So how long um, to beat says this game is about six hours long. That's yeah. insane for a game mm. of this type. Whereas most of the walkthroughs I saw on YouTube like about an hour and a half. So <laughs> that's bananas. <laughs> so, but I, so, I can't yeah. imagine spending six hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, maybe the first time. Well, 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 yeah, maybe the first time you're playing, you're not really sure what you're doing, so, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, um, so, the ending Oh, the I'm game, looking at the wrong game. This is Tin Star from 2014. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not, that's not this game. <laughs> yeah, Tin Star is a bit hard to do research on, because not only was there another game with this name, there's also, like, a TV show that has its name. That exactly. Has name as well, too, it's, so, it's, but, um, speaking about, like, uh, 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 so, yeah, speaking about inspiration, uh, the developers did say, the developers did say that they were strong, uh, very strongly inspired by uh, the, the classic movie West, uh, Westworld uh, from 1973, which is like a, um, um, a Michael Crichton uh, movie. Have you guys ever seen that? Mm -mm. It's a it's a science fiction western thriller, uh, thriller with like uh, with like you know like um, uh, androids like androids like androids like killing people. So hmm. um, pretty good movie. So yeah, the developers said they got a lot of inspiration like the game like from that. So, Wasn't there uh, a recent TV show version of Westworld? Yes, but that's more based on like something else. So, got it. Something else by the same <laughs> name. <laughs> yes, to make it even, like more confusing. So, but, but uh, yeah. So the three endings, that's, like so, three endings of this game. I, I do, I do like the fact. Uh, so I do like the fact that there are three different endings. I just wish they weren't tied to like a point. Uh, I mean, the point system. So, um, the bad. So, so if you end up with less than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, you get the bad ending. Seven hundred fifty to to seven hundred fifty to a million dollars gives you the gives you the normal ending, and you want to see the best ending. The best ending you have to get like a million dollars, which can be very hard to get, you know, especially um, yeah, because like you have to really like work on that. Not this game overly, uh, not this game like overly difficult. Um, I think relatively speaking, most of it is pretty easy, like, um, minus a couple like a boss fights and uh, boss fights and segments. But you know, still trying to come up with that much money to get the best ending of the game is frustrating. I, I thought so. Um, do you remember which ending that you got originally, Chris? 
Originally, I probably got the bad ending the first time I beat this game, but yeah. I definitely beat it a bunch of times when I was younger, but I don't know that I knew... I don't know that I knew that there were multiple endings back when I was a kid because no, nobody covered this game. It's not <laughs> like there were strategy yeah. guides out there or anything like that. I think I just stumbled across... I, I'm, I'm sure I stumbled across two endings, at least. Um, well, we could... Yeah, we can spoil this now. It's like... like uh, um, you know, since the statute of limitations for this game is like well past expired, so mm -hmm. um, basically, basically as the game goes on, uh, Tin Star is kind of um, is interested, is attracted to and trying to romance Mira's daughter uh, Maria. So, um, like they, like at the end of the game, after he defeats the, the Black Oil Gang, um, he proposes to her, and what happens at that point depends upon how many depends upon your depends upon your dollar amount. Uh, the bad ending of the game, she refuses to marry Imperiate. Like, flat out, like, rejects him. Definitely so, got yeah. that ending before. Uh, the, normal, the, normal, the normal ending is the same in the sense that she rejects uh, Tin Star, uh, but she marries Mo instead. Uh, who, who, I remember who marries, that one. Uh, who, uh, who marries... Uh, uh, who inherited a million dollars like his brother's will. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that. However, if you have a million dollars, uh, not only will Maria agree to marry you, you find out that shock of shock, she's actually blackmailed. <laughs> and like you know, like and the Tensor asks, "Why were you doing that?" She's like, "Well, you know, while I was worrying it, uh, while I was worrying it to like to learn your secrets because I didn't know like you were like you know like really the best thing in this town or not." So, but <laughs> so yeah, those are three endings. So. <laughs> I'm looking at the ending right now, and he literally ends it with, "And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for your meddling kids <laughs> or robots." <laughs> <laughs> and then Tin Star follows up with, "Does this mean the wedding's off?" <laughs> so a couple things. One, you were talking about uh, reviews of this game. Nintendo Power in uh, December of '94 actually had a five-page spread. Um, and while you guys were talking, I was going through that spread. They don't mention anything about the different endings. Nothing at all. They I'm go surprised. through, I, they show you, like, you know, very few screenshots of what's going on. They go all the way to, you know, the final day and basically leave it at, hey, there's a final showdown with uh, Black Bart. And that's it. <laughs> I remember my friend had, I, I didn't have a subscription to Nintendo Power back then, but a friend of mine did. And I remember looking at that and that was, that was the most coverage I had ever seen yeah. on the game. And... I had didn't know again. I didn't know there were multiple endings. I and no, and I have <laughs> I have a review sitting here in front of me. And uh, if you don't mind, Greg, I'll do what I did last issue, uh, last episode. Um, nope, it's fine. Go ahead. I, I I've begun to to really dislike Nintendo Power reviews just because they are so generic. And I understand they had a lot of games coming out, and they probably had you know X amount of staff that were doing all these. But, like, Nintendo's latest Super Scope game tests your eye and your stamina in an arcade-like duel between you and the weirdest collection of rusting rustlers ever. Nintendo Power rewrites the history of the West in this month's review, which I found very interesting because this takes place in the East. <laughs> <laughs> so we already have an issue. Kind of makes you wonder if they really played right the game. exactly. Um, 
The pluses was excellent graphics and uh, lots of challenge. You can use a regular controller, the Super Scope, or the SNES mouse, which we talked about. The humorous story and good aim aiming control. The negative, which we also touched upon, was not a lot of variety of play in spite of the many stages. It's a shooter, period. So, um, was it worth the $49.99 when it came out? <laughs> For me, absolutely. I was, I was fascinated by the game, and for all of its faults, I, you know, if if a game has enough of a good personality for me, I'll overlook an awful lot of faults. If I can tell a game was made with love and has a certain degree of uh, polish to it, I'll overlook an awful lot of faults, and that's what I did for this game. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was well worth. I mean, money. I mean, in this time period, if I had a Super Nintendo and a Super Scope. I was and still am a sucker for light gun games. So I would have mm -hmm. paid the $50. I probably would have, or I would have asked for this for Christmas or Hanukkah or my birthday. Either way, I would have gotten this game. Um, and whether I would have enjoyed it then, I can't tell you. But uh, I know that I absolutely hated the Menacer. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, the menacer. No, great. that you want to talk fan. about accuracy? That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So most, yeah. So, so Nintendo Power at the end of that review ended up giving the game like a, um, a three point six out of five, which is like a uh, um, you know, which is like you know, middle middle average of the road uh, yeah. review score. And actually, actually, most reviews of this game were middle of the road as far as the as far as the scores went. Um. Curiously enough, even though the game did not come out in England, a lot of British magazines covered the game, probably because mm. it was developed by a British company. So, um, you know, so I'm looking. So most, so most of the most the most magazines that cover this game were British, which is why that Chris that you probably didn't see much coverage on this. Mm -hmm. But um, so like you know the scores, just like the scores, the scores were like 86, 86 percent, 80 percent, um, 2.85, 61 percent. That's the lowest score I found. Um, a two percent, eight out of ten, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Game Pro, however, did cover this game. However, uh, they also gave it, so they ended up giving it a three point seven five out of five. Hmm. If I knew that, I would have looked up the Game Pro review. <laughs> yeah, I didn't but, know Game Pro uh, covered this. Yep, they did. So that was the that was the one big American magazine besides Nintendo Power that um, uh, uh, they covered the game. So, and like I said before, most of the like I said before, the reviews you guys already covered very well the strong, um, uh, the strong weak points of the game that the reviewers brought up, with one exception, and and, and I thought about this also, um, a two-player mode would probably would have been great. Yeah. Uh, but, oh you know, yeah, two-player co-op would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Like this game, too bad, yeah, too bad I didn't have it. So that's a bummer. Yeah, no, that would have been great. But uh, yeah, so um. So the game, so like the game's definitely fun. Uh, whether or not you know, you, you know, like Joe was saying before, whether or not you enjoy it depends upon depends upon what kind of games you like playing, uh, and what you actually have on hand, like on hand to play it with. I mean, because I think like a physical copy of the game with like a super a super scope or a mouse pad is probably going to be the preferred way to play it. Um, so like uh, you know, like you know, like, so if you enjoy shooters, of the shooters of the, of, the, of the style of the style like worth playing. Um, if you have kids, I think this is like a great kids game still. No. I think like you know the humor, the humor and the gameplay really sits very well for kids. In fact, 
I think, in fact, most reviewers mention the fact that the game is probably too easy for them because they're, they're, it's too easy. the game is kind of like right. for kids. But, um, but yeah, this game still holds it very well for kids today. I think so. Uh, yeah, whether or not the games, the game is very well, the, the game is very well put together, very well programmed. Not all the idea is kit, but I think whether or not that you enjoy, enjoy it or not really depends upon what kind of games you do. Um, um, you like playing and your tolerance level, uh, pretty much in the end, I think. Well said. So, um, anything else you guys want to say about the game before we move on? I'm to looking for that game pro review. Oh, uh, let me see if I can find a link for here for you. I'm looking through the magazine right now, and the the page oh. cited is not the right page. So, <laughs> well, some well, of yeah, I own an entire yeah. uh, the whole you know image catalog for Game Pro and Nintendo Power. So, <laughs> okay, uh, um, so this so this appeared in their March ninety so this appeared like in their March ninety five issue. Uh, is that happening? Yeah, apparently that is one of the issues that has not been back cataloged, so I don't have it. Look at that. Oh, nope. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, Never mind. Okay. Hold on. You said March '95. Yes, I actually, I, um, I actually, I actually have a scan of it, like right here. I'll send you the link. So. One yeah, moment. actually, uh, the year is '90 to '95. I actually didn't unzip. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a, uh, so yeah, it's not a huge write-up of the game. It looks problems. a little bigger than what Nintendo Power did, and considering that was their game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, this had that, he used to be such a good boy Kirby <laughs> for Avalanche and Dream Course. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, huh? Let's see. Cross cartoon robots with Old West. You get Tin Star. As Sheriff Tin Star, you command the cursor that controls a six shooter. Lighthearted in design, Tin Star's colorful, sharp graphics make watching this wacky western enjoyable. Cartoony noises added to the game's charm, while effective sounds and update music enhance the humor. The challenge depends largely on your controller, the three that we discussed. Are easy uh, are easier to use than the uh, control pad, the mouse, and the super scope. They're saying, Tin Star's comedic twist stands out, but the jokes don't change, and the game plays again repetitive. Greenhorn uh, Des Desperados will find more pleasure here than experienced gamers. So. Wow, I actually kind of remember this issue, but I don't think I ever noticed it had a 10-star review in it, because I was obsessed with Killer Instinct. Yeah, I was going to say, well, <laughs> Killer, be, Killer Instinct yeah. would have been the story for this issue. <laughs> I remember yeah, reading be... this cover story, and then it being followed by the Jaguar yeah. CD uh, ad, <laughs> and thinking like, man, I should get a Jaguar someday. And... <laughs> Well, you can be forgiven for missing it because they're they for missing this review too. Because it's like it, it's, there was review that covers like one quarter of one. Yeah, it's yeah. tiny. So, like, yeah, so there was a but, whole thing on Weapon Lord. Like, yeah, I totally remember this issue, and I don't remember there being an, <laughs> uh, being a review for Ten Star, and I just don't don't remember it at all. Yeah, Fascinating. So that was. Yep. So that's the. So that's yeah. So yes. Yeah, yeah. So besides so besides the Ten Power, this is the one major US magazine yeah. that covered the game. So. But, 
Uh, but yeah, but like, you know, I don't, but, but yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo did not push this game very much, so, uh, that's why I guess, I, that's why I never heard of it, and I heard of it, and I guess a, a lot of people probably never heard of it, so, um, you know, which is a shame, because like, you know, the game, false aside, the game, the game probably should have done better than yeah. it did. I agree with that. So. I mean, but, you've, uh, you've seen that poster though, right? The, yes, you know, I, yeah. 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 There's there's a little link to, to a picture of it. You can see Tin Star right under Illusion of Gaia, and I remember when these ever since the you know the NES days when they released those posters, I was like, all right, this is my checklist. I got to try right. all these games, <laughs> and this poster right here, man, this is nothing but hits for me. Uh, I. I I'm a little less warm on the the sports games though. Stanley Cup was really wild back in the yeah. day, man. I don't. Uh, and yeah, th I, I, yeah, yeah, I did not know Nintendo published that, did they? Huh. Yeah, and it's I, I Stanley didn't... Cup and uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, they did those. And God, Super Punch Out. I think this was the first time I had seen Super Punch Out yeah. too, and was like, oh my God, it's Bear Hugger, <laughs> and he looks so good. <laughs> And then I went out. It's like I I was I saw Unirage. It's like I don't know what it is, but it's on the list. I'm gonna try it. And thank goodness I did, because that game oh, such rules. A good game. <laughs> that game's awesome. it's Stunt Race FX. I love mm. that game. That game is that game is so confusing, man. Because it's like it shouldn't work as well as it does because that frame rate is is atrocious. But it feels like once you get the hang of it, the game's really yeah. good and. Yeah. I would just, I would love to have some sort of remake of that. They'll never revisit that game in a billion years. I mean, the fact that it's on Switch at all is kind of crazy yeah. to me to begin with. But still, <laughs> like, I, I would love for them to, to revisit that one. But you know what? We live in a world where Metroid Dread exists. <laughs> so everything's <laughs> on the true. table. <laughs> and I say this every handful of years. Remember when Kid Icarus Uprising came out? Like, we got a third Kid Icarus game. Literally right. anything is possible. <laughs> I can't count Nintendo out on anything. Six yeah. months from now, they'll be yeah. dropping, like, Illusion of Gaia HD. Like <laughs> Next D3, they're going to be announcing another Snow Bros game. <laughs> hey, it's a bad time. Come on, Capcom. What have you been working on, huh? Yeah, Resident Evil remakes. <laughs> I was going to say Street Fighter Seven, <laughs> whatever they're up to. <laughs> Give us that gritty Snow Brothers right. re reboot. That's go. what I want. Tetris 2 is on here. Damn, I, like, I forgot about that game. Talking about, like, you know, yeah. games I forgot about. And I love the Super Nintendo version of Tetris 2. Not played it, actually. I'll, I'll check it out. Sorry. Oh, it's super wild. I could do a whole episode <laughs> on that one. <laughs> There's, the visual style in that game is insane. It's it. The, every stage takes place inside of this house. It's like you're seeing on the this screenshot there is the multiplayer mode that takes place inside of two so fish I have tanks. Played the, so I have played the NES Tetris 2. Like, is that the same game? It's effectively the same game, but there's more okay. modes in this one, and the visual okay. visual style is, I guess, you know, the, the NES one is all that, like, kind of uh, Mayan or Egyptian or whatever kind of look to it. I, I want to say more yeah. Mayan, because it's got, like, like birds and stuff on it, but uh, this one is all this, they've got these really goofy, silly cartoon interludes, where, like, right. you know, people do some, like, these little goofy looking dudes do uh, slapstick humor, and like I said, they, they, they take place throughout a house, like... There's a the, if you do puzzle mode, the the play field is inside of a uh, a, a mug of root beer, <laughs> and this one uh, takes place inside of a pair of fish tanks uh, that oh, are in, okay. that are like right. in a room somewhere. Like it's it all kind of ties together like these weird interpretations of a cartoon house. It is such a it's such a cool take on that game. It's my favorite version of it. Hmm. Okay. 
Also a yeah, cheap dude. one. That is not an expensive <laughs> Super Nintendo game. Sure. So just about ten star up here. Uh, there are several. There are several codes, codes and secrets that this game has. So uh, we will cover those. Cover those. Cover those like, like real quickly. Um, there's a code, for example, if you want to. This is only for cosmetic effect only. Um, but if you want to, you can change ten stars color uh, color before you play the game if you, if you wish. Um, by the title screen, just push A, B, X, or Y, and then hit start. And depending, uh, and depending upon which button you button you hit, that um, that will change ten stars, ten stars color to play the game. You either, so you either can make them blue, normal color, silver, or teal. Huh. So, so you so you have that ability. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> cosmetic effect only. I mean, like you know, like okay, the kind of thing they charge you like five dollars for these days, but but they um. There's also the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, there's also a way to make the knock them down mini games uh, mini game instead of every day a bit easier if you want to. Um, if you wait ten seconds, uh, the message uh, the message on the screen changes to shoot target. Uh, then you, then that point if you shoot the bottle, the screen would go up and target fly a target like a target like appear instead. Shoot the target as many times you want to. You earn a whole bunch of cash, so that's what. So that's one way to be able to gain the system to be able to like mm. earn some money and um, some money, some money toward the best ending, the best ending of the game if you wish. So, huh. uh, so there is that. Uh, pricing on eBay. We mentioned before about pricing. This game, this this game's about this, this game, this game, despite the fact that it's not very popular, probably because it's not very popular, uh, it's, it's pretty cheap by, uh, to pick up these still these days by Super NES standards. Um, 51 copies of the game are currently listed on eBay. 30, um, 33 copies of the game are recently sold. These prices include shipping, card only. Uh, so prices of the game range anywhere from $10 to $10 to $36. Hmm. So uh, not that bad of a pricing. CIB is pretty affordable too. Anywhere from $17 to $17 to $50. So not an expensive game to pick up, really, because like you know, like at the, because there's like. When a mint copy of the game, complete and everything, goes to the same price the game or the game yeah. originally sold for, yep. that's a good price. Absolutely. So, but, so, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, kind of a shame. But anyway, but uh, you know, but you know, the game didn't like sell better. But you know, uh, but you know, on the bright side, like I said before, it is pretty affordable. And because, it, and also, and also, I guess because the fact that because the fact it wasn't very popular, um, it's never gotten re-released. It's not available. Um, it's, um, it's not available like any of the virtual systems uh, or. Um, uh, formats or anything, so uh, you either gotta buy the physical copy, like I'm it. But uh, so I mean, good news for Super Nintendo collectors who are looking for a hidden gem. I mean, this one's been under the radar yeah. forever, and True. it's a pretty decent yeah. game. It's not gonna change your life, but it's certainly one of the more interesting games that you can get for a relatively decent price. Yeah, and the value is probably gonna triple yeah, after being on this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we are the trendsetters. <laughs> So, uh, Chris, uh, since we're talking about how this is like a great kids kids game, have you, have you, have you played this one? To, so, have you played this one to like your kids? Honestly, no. Uh, this one hasn't come up yet. We've uh, mm. we've we play a lot of games. Uh, yeah, this this yeah. one just hasn't been one of the ones that's popped up. Like, you know what? We're gonna play Tin Star. You know, it's I, I've definitely put the put their hands on a handful of uh, you know some of the wackier stuff like. Maybe a couple of months ago, I showed them Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, and they were like, "This oh, okay. is amazing! Like, this is so cool!" Uh, you know, we we busted out last summer. Uh, you know, we were all stuck in the house for uh, during COVID times. It was like, "All right, let's 
I'm going to introduce you to the Power Pad. Let's play some <laughs> world class track meet. And we we played that a bunch. Like there were just a lot of days where they, can we go play the the running game? Sure. Unfortunately, uh, Short Order and Explode, which is my favorite Power Pad game, they were they weren't quite uh, they weren't quite there mm. for that yet. Uh, because you know Short Order is basically Simon, and they can only like they they weren't able to get their hands on they weren't able to get a hang on it and what was it a uh, explode is too was just too uh, hectic for him um sure yeah. but yeah uh tin star hasn't come up yet i'm i'm certain that it will at some point because because everything right. will eventually <laughs> it's yeah but no no this uh this one hasn't been played with the children yet well yeah well uh well we do break it out to let us know how they enjoyed it because it's because it seems like yeah, because like you know, this game was aimed. This game aimed primarily as a kids' game. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe one reason it didn't like sell very well. So, uh, I think uh, you know, I think it should still hold up pretty well, kids. Uh, you know, kids these days. So. Yeah, it's got that like you know I mentioned like the tick. Like uh, it, it definitely came out during that time when that brand of irreverent cartoon was really prevalent. Like the tick or the Earthworm Jim cartoon or Eek the Cat and. This this would have fit right in there, and um, I am I've always been surprised that this didn't get more of a following because of that. Because it's it's that similar kind of humor. It's the the, the character designs are very very cool and interesting. Uh, it's it's a it's a bummer that it didn't catch on. Yeah, no, I agree definitely for sure. But anyway, uh, that so that pretty much like covers that up. Uh, you know, like you know, like I'm not sure if I go. So I'm not sure. If it, I'm not sure like if I go quite so far as calling a hidden gem. It's definitely like a, I'm. Um, but definitely like a good game that a good game that deserves that deserves more attention than it uh, you know it's currently getting. So it's like a, like a hidden turquoise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll, that'll work. <laughs> but so anyway, uh, uh, wanna pre- so I want to thank you again, Chris, for being on the podcast. Um, you know, like I love having you on here. Um, of course. Did, Thanks if for you having. Have me. Any questions? If you have any questions, comments, feedback, suggestions for for more games, etc., feel free to either leave us a comment on Facebook page or you can also email me directly at the SNES Podcast at Yahoo.com. Uh, Joe, how can the listeners... How can the listeners uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-E-S-U-X-3-0 or I have a very public Facebook that you can come find me at. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep, definitely. So, uh, Chris, uh, which podcast are you currently doing these days? I can't keep track of which ones are active, <laughs> are active anymore. So. Uh, well, that's that's my my mission is that if I ever do a podcast, I will keep it active. Um, so, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I, all, all my shows are active. I, uh, weekly is the Stone Age Gamer podcast, it's where I talk about video games with one of my best friends, Dan. Uh, we do it every week. It's um, uh, the world of video games told from the perspective of a couple of forty-year-old <laughs> dudes. Um, I have a uh, twice a month. You'll get episodes of the Waveback Music podcast, which is the video game podcast that I mentioned on here uh, earlier. It's me and uh, my friend Matt, and we listen to and discuss video game soundtracks. Uh, the other two weeks of the month i'm on a tv show podcast called this week's episode with my wife and my other friends evan and angie uh and we talk about different tv shows and i nerd out, out about star wars a lot because there's a lot of star <laughs> wars on tv uh i just started a once a month podcast uh honestly just to have an excuse to talk to a couple of my favorite people once a month uh, my friends paul and sean uh we do a podcast about movies called a theater near you where we pick we go alphabetically. So each month we pick a new movie based on a different letter that mm. starts with a different letter of the alphabet. So uh, last episode was the A-Team, and then the next episode is going to be Bill and Ted nice. Face the Music. So 
we just okay. keep that rolling and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that lands. Um, those are the podcasts that I'm on. <laughs> so I was thinking, so I'm sorry, maybe I could get confused with somebody else or maybe somebody else like your network, uh, your network because you are part of a network uh, a network as well. Yeah. Um, I thought at one point you guys, so I thought at one point that you also did a wrestling podcast. That, that was that was not me. Our our okay. uh yeah our channel hosted a couple of different po- uh, wrestling podcasts. We okay hosted okay that's it then yeah yep. Tiger Driver ninety one okay. for a while. Uh, those guys uh, are no longer with Geekade and they're they're I don't even know if they're actually still podcasting. Super cool guys, uh, Fredo and Carlos. I love those guys. Uh, but yeah, uh, they didn't do that. We also had a wrestling YouTube show called Ring the Bell, which was I'm not a wrestling fan, but even I thought that show was <laughs> hilarious. But it was. It involved a lot of production, and they just kind of had to stop doing yes. it. And then yeah. Dan, my co-host on Stone Age Gamers, started a wrestling podcast called Bo- Backdrops and Body Slams. I think it ran for a whole two episodes before you gave <laughs> up. So, there's a lot of th- those things happen on our site from time to time. You know, somebody sure. will be like, yeah. I'm going to start this podcast. I'm like, are, are you going to do it? Like, Are you going to keep it going? And then you know, three episodes in, it just disappears, and they always make me sad. But I have... I have, for better or worse, stuck it out with every show I ever started. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so I first found you, um, you know, like a story gamer podcast, uh, the one you do with Dan, which is which was excellent content. Um, I believe that was one of several podcasts I found when the whole like the whole uh, critical chameleon fiasco broke out. Oh so, boy, yeah. I think that's how. I, yeah, I think that's how I first like. I think that's how your podcast first came to my attention. So, um, but, uh, system yes. made me mad. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah. Um, have you listened to our review of Spoken Mirrors yet that we covered like several episodes back? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're checking out. Um, uh, Joe and I disagree uh, like about the book, but I thought the book was a, like amazing to read. So, uh, but yeah, so definitely. You know, if, if just, so yeah, if you're just learning and learning more about that, yeah, give our podcast and listen about that, and then like the book itself is like pretty cheap to pick up as well, uh, as well if you want to. So, but um, yeah, so okay, great. Uh, yeah, so I yeah, so like you know, Dan does excellent quality stuff. I've listened to his stuff for um for several years now, so I definitely I highly recommend checking out like all this checking out like all this podcast. So and like. Way back music makes me very it makes me very happy because like video game music does not get the respect the respect that it deserves I think so um, anything that so anybody talks about, so anybody covers video game music in depth is like is like you know like is like you know I'm all over uh, <laughs> uh, 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 that stuff for sure so but you know I'm still waiting I'm, I'm still waiting for you guys to cover I'm still waiting for you guys to cover like some of the, you know favorite game soundtracks but you know I understand there's a lot of the, uh, Spanish and there's a lot of choices out there to listen to. So, well, which what, what's your what's your suggestion? What? Let me throw it on the list. Um, so one of the more underrated soundtracks, I think. Uh, um, talking as far as we're talking about, like you know, like um, you know, like a uh, like you know, like uh, uh, Super NES stuff. Um, oh, and of course, you know, of course, right now the name of the game is, <laughs> the name of the game is just a like, clue out of my head. Um. But they, oh, um, um, you know, Gemfire, uh, the Koi game. That okay. Is, that's, that is a really, really good soundtrack. It's amazing how good that soundtrack is. But I mean, Koi usually, Koi usually, usually, usually get music in their games. But it's like the music was so good, they actually, um, you know, they actually, they actually, they actually covered, they actually gave, the, they actually gave the, gave the music like live orchestra treatment, like in Japan. So, 
Uh, you have both versions of that available on YouTube, both the regular game version and also the orchestra version, the orchestra version, version like with Japan. But yeah, it's a very good, very, very, it's very good, very, a very good, very underrated soundtrack. And a, um, also, um, I was just talking about this, and so, and so also, I was just, just talking with a friend about this the other day. The game sucks, but Predator for the NES also yes. has a great soundtrack. I thought, like, <laughs> it's, a re- it, it's a really good soundtrack. Seriously, but you know, I, um, which. You know, too bad the game itself is not very good, but the music the music in that game is just, just awesome. For NES, you said? Yes. Okay. Those are they they've been added to the the list. We have this gigantic list of oh, like episodes <laughs> that we want to do. Like our current schedule is pretty full because we decided to dedicate it to a bunch of the anniversaries that are happening this year. True. So because yeah. there's so many of them, so like. You know, we're going to do a special for Donkey Kong, a special for Metroid, F-Zero, Crash Bandicoot, OutRun, yeah. the Castlevania. Well, we always do a Castlevania in October anyway, so it's a, uh, right. yeah. yeah, keeps keeps <laughs> going and going. But they uh, I, they have officially been added to the list of future episodes for yeah. one of us to pull from, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, Super NES, I mean, of course, the bias towards the bias towards bias to, to, to Super NES anyway, because Super NES has two of my favorite all-time soundtracks, period, but you know, Super Castlevania 4, like Night Riser, the music on those games is like so good. It's like mm-hmm. probably like my top three selection, like a game music. So, well, we but, did Act Razor. Yeah. So, Super Castlevania 4 is just like amazing soundtrack. It's so good. Super Castlevania 4 is is, is phenomenal. We're we're doing the Castlevania games in order, so we will get to it. We're on eventually. Yeah. This <laughs> one is gonna be. We're not that far out because we did Castlevania 3 last year. So this year is gonna be Castlevania 2: Belmont's Revenge for Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to line up okay. with its 30th anniversary, uh, which will be in July, but we're going to hold off till October because we always do a yeah. Castlevania in October and then a, a, our spooky special. Uh, so, I mean, Super Castlevania 4 can't be far behind that, right? I, 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 no, I don't think so. I would imagine that came, it might be the next game. The game came out in late 91. I'm not sure about the release order for all the Castlevania games, but uh, it was an early Super NES game. Yeah, it was one. I remember it was one of the earliest ones. I remember <laughs> renting that thing. God, that game was awesome. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, real quick, let me just ask you like, real quick here to finish things up. Castlevania Three, which also which also which also by the way, uh, um, I think it's a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned before some of your way back episodes about how different the Japanese version version of the soundtrack sounds uh-huh. uh, for, some, like, for some games for some games like Zelda because of the different hardware used. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a preference toward either the American or Japanese version of Castlevania Three? For Castlevania 3, I prefer the Japanese one, though I do think that the, you know, this is one of those cases where where people love to say, like, oh, the Japanese one just blows the NES, it's just amazing, <laughs> the NES one is garbage, this is the greatest thing, I'm like, ah! and it's like, okay, sure, it, the, the Japanese one I do overall consider to be better, it has, you know, the more instruments and everything, but let's not take away from the American NES one, because... They really accomplished a lot with the limited instrument Agreed. set that they have. Yes. Yeah. We, weirdly enough, I find the reverse to be true with Castlevania 2. I think even though they, Castlevania 2 was on the disc system, I think they fixed that soundtrack for NES. Not that it's bad on the disc system, but there's it, it sounds so much more, uh, I guess, active on the NES one. There's more drums. It, it feels so much more energetic uh, for the NES release, which is yeah. weird. Um I have a weird relationship with this system music because, like, sometimes it's really cool, but sometimes it just sounds goofy. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you know, I like you know, I like you know, I just, uh, I just prefer the American version, probably just because I'm just so used to like, to hearing the American version because that's mm -hmm. what I grew up with. But you know, it, 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 it's kind of like with me, like so, like you know, it's kind of like with, so it's kind of like with me, like a doom because because playing, playing the game for years, I, I had a crappy old ad lib sound card on my, on my computer. So, <laughs> like so to me, the ad lib version is the, the ad lib version is the is the go to version to listen to because that's the one I grew up with. So that's the one I know, that's, that's, that's the one I'm most familiar with. Even though I know that there's several systems 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 and systems that have much better sounding doom music on it. But I'm sure there are. But for me, it's the it was the basic MS DOS one, <laughs> which is why when they re released that game on on Switch and it had the DOS sound like event they they put the DOS soundtrack in there not any of the fancy upgraded ones it just sounds just like the crappy <laughs> MIDI MS-DOS sounds it's like and that thank you very much that because that's what that game is to me that's what I want yeah uh, but anyway yeah uh, yeah yeah like we better like, cut this off here because I've yeah, pretty much so. the, the the rest of my <laughs> life. I, I do want to just kind of throw in. I want to throw in one more thing. I mentioned earlier that I write sure. for Nintendo Force magazine. It is a physical magazine. It's the spiritual successor to Nintendo Power. It's run by people who have worked for uh, Destructoid and IGN and, and whatnot over the years. And for some reason, they let me write <laughs> for them too. Uh, it's. It's a really cool magazine. Every issue comes with an actual physical poster. Like if you if you want that experience of getting a Nintendo magazine mailed to your house, this is the way to do it. It's super affordable and I'm so proud of the work that we do there. It's 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 super awesome. So uh, there's 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 my other major <laughs> plug. <laughs> I know you Yes, I know you write Yes, I know you write occasionally occasionally the website. Have haven't you um did you write for any other magazines in the past, or is it your first time actually like ready for like a on like a magazine? Uh, I've been I've been writing. I was writing on Geekade on our our site that we created for the longest right, time, yep, yep. and then I got a job writing for Stone Age Gamer, so I do a weekly uh, articles for for them now okay, uh, instead yep. of Geekade, uh, which we've now just removed written content. We're just a podcast network now. Um, and Nintendo Force, I've been writing for for a couple of years, but only as like a a freelance uh and then last year um was it early last year or late the year before i can't remember now at this point but they put me on as a staff writer um so it's it's been the same magazine for for a long time i've never written for another publication officially before like that so okay all right cool all right awesome well yeah definitely so check that out as well uh, as well uh uh like for sure so but anyway uh, thank you again, Chris, for coming on this game, and uh, like, and also for bringing for uh, like, and also for bringing yet another game to the podcast, <laughs> that, we've, podcast that we've never uh, heard about. You're very welcome. About. Thanks for having but, me. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I cannot believe I actually missed this game because '94 was like prime Super NES time. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, for, yeah, for whatever reason, it, for whatever reason, it, it just slipped under my radar. So you know, glad to have a chance to play it. Yeah, I'm but, glad you did too. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so next time on the podcast, uh, Joe's pick around this time. Uh, Joe, what do you have? Negative. Negative. Uh, really. Next time we record is with Ferg. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Ferg's coming <laughs> on. What's he talking about? He surprised the heck out of us by picking a game <laughs> I never heard of either. Speaking of like you know like strange games. Um, oh, and I know it's World Smash Ball. I was just gonna say I know that's he's gonna do that <laughs> ball game, and I never remember the name of it. But yes. 
He's he told me about that game a while ago. It's super weird. It's really cool. It's like it's kind of like Windjammers, I think. Like it's a uh, yeah. The little I've seen of it, I've not played it yet. But like the little I've seen of it, it does kind of get in that depression. So it's like, and I'm like, and I'm like, you picked a sports game, like like WTF? Like what's going I mean, on? Here? I love so, Windjammers, but, so those but, could be uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, but, this is a solid pick, and uh, I mean. Ferg is just always a delight to, Agreed. to, to talk to. Yes, yeah, de- yeah, definitely. So, that, so yeah, so that'll be next time on the podcast. So, like, look forward to that. I um, will. But uh, alrighty, so uh, thanks again. Like, so thanks again, everybody, for listening to the podcast. As always, it's like we appreciate it. Uh, thank you again, Chris, for being on here with us. Uh, very, um, you know, for for taking yes. for taking time thank you, Chris. life to join us here. Um, me, You're very welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, Joe, oh, thanks for joining me as always. And they. Uh, w- and we'll catch you again next time. So, um, and uh, final thought: Ten Star actually actually fits the, the uh, Ten Star is actually like a very good name. Some of these games have terrible names. Agreed. It's pretty like on the nose. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a great name. They did it. I mean, come on. They called his horse aluminum. Like, I mean, hi ho, aluminum. Away. That's a solid gag, man. It that, is. That, that's good stuff. Yeah, it is definitely yeah. So. Alrighty, gents uh, and girls out there. Thank you very much for listening, as always. We appreciate it. So, catch you again next time. Stay safe. Be well. Good night. Later off. (laughs) Good night.